Okay, I'm going to need you to please calm the F down. Just kidding. How annoying is it to hear this? If you are working on your hormone health, fertility, or you're just, I don't know, a person in this world, the last thing you probably feel is calm. Hi there, I'm Erin and you are listening to Hormone Bestie and I am your hormone bestie and your host. This is the place for you if you are working on your hormone health, if you're tired of having irregular, painful periods, if you're working on your fertility and trying to get pregnant, or if you're just a menstruator person or a woman in the world. This is the place for you and I'm so happy to have you here. Before we get started, as a quick reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to be taken as personalized or individualized advice or guidance. If that is something you are looking for, please reach out to me on Instagram and let me know because that is something that we can talk about. All right, let's talk about stress, y'all, because life is sometimes just a constant mess. Maybe your hormones are messed up and your periods suck. Maybe your hormonal acne makes it really hard for you to even smile. Maybe you are so sick of tracking each cycle, just hoping that this is the month you finally get pregnant. Or maybe you're trying to figure out your new role as a mom and you just got your first period since having a baby. Do you even remember how to use a tampon? Or did you forget when you put a tampon in because it's been so long since you've had to wear one? There's a lot of stuff rolling around in our heads right now. But here's the thing, that stress isn't helping. That stress is causing your body to feel frustrated, flustered, and frankly, a little unsafe in its current environment. And we can't have healthy hormones if we don't feel safe. But I have this suspicious feeling that you are sitting there thinking, okay, Erin, but life is kind of hellish right now, and you're telling me to just stop being stressed? Exactly. Clear as mud, as my high school Spanish teacher would say. Look, we can't get rid of all stress. In fact, I would argue that we can't get rid of most stress. As long as we need to pay for things in life, as long as we need to get along and play nice with others, as long as we need to basically just function as adults, there will be stressful things. But guess what we can do? We can learn to understand our bodies better. We can learn to cope with stress better. We can learn to minimize additional stress on our bodies so that our bodies can feel safe, nurtured, loved, and fed enough to have a healthy cycle. Remember, an unsafe body doesn't always ovulate, and we need ovulation for a healthy cycle and healthy balanced hormones. But I would be willing to bet that mostly you just hear people talk about cortisol and how bad it is and that that's most of what you've been told about stress. So what even is our stress response? It starts with a trigger, a stressful event. Our brain is registering that something is happening. This could be emotional or physical, a deadline you forgot about, a car coming screaming at you, your partner texting you saying, we need to talk. The brain sends a message to the hypothalamus that something is wrong. The hypothalamus is often referred to as the coordination center or the command center of your brain. Your hypothalamus controls the autonomic nervous system, the system that controls our involuntary actions, all of the things that your body is doing without you even thinking about it. Things like breathing, your heart beating, digestion, your blood vessels getting wider or more narrow. But once the hypothalamus has been alerted, it triggers the sympathetic nervous system. 
as part of the autonomic nervous system, we have two subsystems within this. The sympathetic nervous system, which activates our fight or flight response, and the parasympathetic nervous system, our rest and digest response. I know it's a lot and it's sciency, but together we're going to make it make sense. I personally think it's important for people to hear these terms because they do matter. They are an important part of our physiology and knowledge is power. So stress leads to activation of the sympathetic nervous system, our fight or flight response. This gets our adrenal glands fired up and working. Your adrenal glands are these little glands that sit on top of your kidneys and they are freaking important. They are responsible for much of our stress response. They affect our metabolism, our immune system, and yes, our hormone regulation. But during really acute stress, they let out a little hormone you might have heard of called adrenaline. Now, in the medical field, this is often called epinephrine. But for most of us, when we hear adrenaline, we think of an adrenaline rush. But something I want you to keep in mind is that an adrenaline rush isn't always associated with bad, big, scary things. Often it's associated with fun and exciting things too, like those adrenaline junkies that want to jump off of tall things all the time. But this rise in epinephrine as a result of stress causes your blood pressure to go up, your heart is pushing blood to your vital organs, and essentially it's just trying to keep you really, really alert and really alive. And thank goodness our bodies do this. Because in super stressful, crazy events, our bodies are sometimes taking care of us, not the other way around. Because things are happening too quickly for us to think logically through everything that is happening. After this initial response, our adrenaline or epinephrine starts to go down and more of our body gets involved. We have the activation of what is called the HPA axis, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. If the stressor is still present, If the brain still feels like there is a threat, this axis pushes forward a cascade of hormones which ultimately results in the release of cortisol. Imagine a domino effect. You have all these dominoes lined up starting in your brain and they run throughout your body. This is like the cascade of hormones that all starts because one little thing tips the first domino over and freaks your brain out. Once our stressor is gone, we are out of fight or flight mode. Then the body can start to relax and cortisol can go down. Cortisol is talked about usually as a very bad thing. I feel like most people associate cortisol with women and excess fatty tissue around your belly. And when released excessively over time, it certainly can be a bad thing. But it also has a very purposeful and important use in our body. Problems occur when we continue to have constant stressors. When we aren't equipped to deal with some of the stressful things that happen daily, and when we are constantly relying on our sympathetic nervous system. That's right, relying on our fight or flight to keep us going, give us energy, and keep us alert. It's when we start to like that feeling of stress, that's when we start to have problems. So I bet a bell just went off in your head. Erin, why on earth would I like to be stressed? How can you say I might be trying to feel stressed? And I will challenge that line of questioning within, are you sure you aren't? Have you ever left anything until the last minute because that stress helps you get it done faster? Have you ever been so used to having a lot of stress that when things are finally calm, they just don't feel quite right? These might feel like minor examples that happen every once in a while, but when they are coming up all the time, it's worth taking a look at. 
I get it. It sounds crazy. Why would we ever like something that is harming us? You can't see me, but I'm winking at you right now. We get used to the adrenaline rush. We get used to the anxiousness. We start to like the alertness and the rush that being stressed gives us. Until, of course, you crash. Until you are so exhausted that all you can do is drink coffee about it and hope for the best. Everything's fun and games until you realize that you aren't sleeping well. You are always exhausted. Your menstrual cycle is a damn mess. You can't control your appetite. And exercise leaves you feeling like you need a four-hour nap. Not only does this level of stress affect your brain, your blood pressure, your gut health, basically your whole body, but it also seriously affects systemic inflammation, blood sugar, and your hormone health. It's no secret that stress can cause menstrual cycle irregularities. Super long cycles, random short cycles. How many times in your life have you questioned why your period is late and either told yourself or been told, it's probably just stress. Chronic stress can play a role in anovulatory cycles, cycles where you don't ovulate, as well as the timing of ovulation and potential delayed ovulation. If you're wondering why you should care about that, it's because one, ovulation is necessary to get pregnant, but two, it's also necessary to have a healthy amount of progesterone in our bodies. Cortisol itself affects how our bodies use our nutrition, meaning how our bodies use carbs, fat, and protein, because when we are in a stressful situation, your body wants to prioritize quick energy that it can use for fight or flight. This can also cause an increase in our blood sugar so that our muscles and vital organs can use that energy really quickly. Cortisol also affects your circadian rhythm, which is your sleep-wake cycle. It's basically an internal clock for your body and hormones. Normal cortisol levels follow your circadian rhythm. They are highest first thing in the morning and then trend down throughout the day and should be lowest around midnight. But when we have constant stress, these cortisol levels end up being high all the time and can contribute to constant fatigue, inefficient use of the food and nutrition that we eat and drink, and poor sleep. Chronic stress can also cause our bodies to use more of certain nutrients, largely the excess use of magnesium and zinc, two incredibly important nutrients for our hormone health, menstrual cycles, and fertility, not to mention just the general function of our bodies and immune systems. So basically, stress is just wreaking havoc on our bodies when we have no control over it. But like I said at the beginning of this episode, I do think it's impossible to get rid of all stress. And I don't think we would really want to. It's an important part of our physiology when used appropriately. And I do think that this mindset shift is important because the sooner that we stop viewing stress as this villain in our life, and start thinking about how we can work with the stressful world around us and how we support our body through a healthful stress response, the sooner that we will be able to handle different life shifts and seasons with grace and without taking a demolition excavator to our bodies. We have all had that feeling when we're trying to relax, maybe take a nap, read a book, listen to a podcast, just trying to chill but then our to-do list just keeps rolling and rolling around in our heads. We get more and more stressed out from the stress that we have to the point where we can't relax anymore. It's going from being stressed from all the stress that you have to learning to recognize your body's cues 
and know what is important and when to take a step back. Our bodies aren't the enemy. We are. We, the ones who keep choosing stress and craziness over all else. So can you guess what step one is here? I personally think it's being real with yourself about what stress is necessary and what you can't get rid of in your life and what stress you have maybe created for yourself. Now, I don't say this to minimize the really hard, stressful, and crazy things in our lives. Obviously, there are things that are very difficult. Things like finances, trying to deal with politics and wrap your head around what's happening, dealing with infertility. These are all very real things that a simple meditation session doesn't just automatically make better. And I'm not trying to make light of these when I say that we need to figure out what we can control. But when we live in a world that often feels so completely out of control, we do have to figure out what we can impact, what we can ditch or overcome so that our load feels just a little bit lighter. And there are things that we can do to decrease our stress, but also to increase our stress resilience. Stress resilience is our ability to recognize, address, cope with, and bounce back from stressful events or situations that we may encounter. If you've ever seen the new show, Only Murders in the Building, you will remember the scene where Martin Short is bouncing back after falling off the stairs. There's this beautiful music going on, and he just kind of keeps falling off and bouncing right back on. When I think of stress resilience, I think of that scene. Having the ability to bounce back over and over and keep going. Minor side note, if you haven't watched Only Murders in the Building, I highly suggest it. It is currently my favorite show. But anyways, (laughs) some people are more or less stress resilient than others. Some people have been so beaten down by the stress and been so overwhelmed and exhausted from their stress for so long that their bodies don't bounce back as high or as fast as others. Those with lower stress resilience may have more difficult irregular periods and may experience more issues with fertility because their bodies could be more run down, depleted, and exhausted. Taking care of ourselves, both our mental and physical health, can increase our stress resilience so that we can feel better and handle situations with ease and without letting our stress response tear our bodies down. Like I said, Getting rid of all stress likely isn't possible, but there are certainly ways to decrease our stress load and increase our stress resilience in this wacky world. But to do that, we have to identify the little things around us that we can actually ditch that are stressing us out. And these things may surprise you. Maybe getting pedicures with the girls is actually pushing a little too hard on your wallet and what's supposed to be fun and relaxing is actually making you overthink, dwell, and freak out. Maybe you're trying to cut back on alcohol, but the only outings you have with your girlfriends are to go and get drinks. Sometimes what's meant to relax us is causing more harm than good. Having good nutrition and exercise habits can also help improve our stress resilience, but this has to include adequate rest and fueling. Sometimes when I think people hear the advice to have better exercise and nutrition for their stress, They think they have to be like Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec, eating only the healthiest of healthy foods, drinking all the green juice, and exercising literally all day long. But that's actually not what it means. It means eating enough for starters. If we aren't doing that, we can't do anything. And I believe in taking a what-can-I-add-in approach, meaning 
Look at your meals and think, what else can I add in? Instead of, what do I need to take away? Maybe that looks like adding more protein to your meals, adding more fruits and veggies, choosing to include a whole grain. There are so many options here, but let's just focus on what we can include, not what society has told us to take away. And as far as exercise goes, we need to start listening to our bodies better. You should feel good and energized after a workout, not completely drained for the next four hours and in need of a nap and coffee. If you aren't sleeping, getting enough rest, exercise should be put on hold that day or should at least be a more gentle version where you aren't pushing yourself super hard. Listen to your body, take stock of how you actually feel, and consider adding more gentle forms of exercise in, things like stretching, yoga, walking, and then push yourself on the days that you feel really good and energized. It's not that you can't push yourself and have a hard workout every once in a while, but if you are already feeling run down from stress, that really hard exercise could just be adding additional stress onto your body. We just don't want to push yourself too hard in the name of health. Because again, if it's only putting more stress on your body, it could be causing your body to then run on stress. Pun intended. When it comes to de-stressing our lives, there are a few things that I will always talk about. Because they're big things that can make a big difference. One of those is therapy. If you are struggling mentally and emotionally with the world right now, One, that is totally reasonable, and two, therapy could be helpful. But I also recognize that this isn't an appropriate solution for everybody, depending on where they are at with their life and what's going on with them. So here are some things that you can do to support your body's stress response and stress resilience. I feel like I'm always giving you guys a list of things to do, but I don't want to present a problem and not give you solutions. So here are some solutions for you. And as always, I'm not telling you to do all of these things, but adding in one or two could make a really big difference. So let's decrease that cortisol. Number one is stop drinking coffee and caffeinated beverages on an empty stomach. Caffeine increases how much cortisol your body secretes. So if your cortisol is highest in the morning and you just down a bunch of coffee without any food, you might be increasing your cortisol a little more than you want to. That and consuming it too late in the day. We want our cortisol to trend down naturally after it's highest in the morning, so limiting afternoon coffee might be a good idea for you. Number two, setting boundaries with people in your life. I love this. Look, I know it's hard, but understanding, creating, and implementing boundaries can do wonders. If you are trying to get pregnant and your neighbor asks you every single month, If you are pregnant yet and it makes you want to cry and scream and stomp around your street like a wild animal, it might help to tell them that those questions are not helpful for you and you would appreciate if they would stop. Please note that this goes for anyone who asks if you're pregnant, by the way. But setting boundaries can look like saying no when someone asks you to help or volunteer for yet another project. Boundaries can look like turning your phone on do not disturb every night at 8 p.m. and not responding to further messages until the next day. Boundaries can also look like unfollowing accounts on social media that make you feel like crap. It's okay and honestly, people are too busy dealing with their own shit to truly notice if you unfollow. Number three, practicing stillness, meditation, and deep breathing. Things that calm our nervous system down and let us be quiet and still with the world around us. So something that I tell people a lot and something that I especially tell clients 
is to take five minutes a day to be still. But maybe this isn't something you're familiar with. When I say this, I actually want you to go to your room or somewhere else that is comfortable, shut the door, nobody else is allowed, leave your phone somewhere else, no music, no TV, no nothing. And for five minutes, just sit with yourself. Just be in the quiet, be in the stillness. It's uncomfortable. We are so used to having distraction, but it's also empowering. Lean into that discomfort because it does get better and you will get so much more comfortable just being with yourself. The world is constantly moving. We have so many triggers, distractions, and unnecessary noise. It's okay to take five minutes a day to just shut it all out. Let yourself just be with your brain and your body. Most of the noise and the static in the world is not helping you, and it's okay to shut it out for a bit. Number four, reach out to the people who make you feel good. The people who aren't judging anything you say. The people who show up for you. The people who make you laugh until you're wondering if you peed your pants a little bit. When you are in a tough season, it's easy to think that you need to figure it out on your own, that you don't want to burden others with what's going on. But here's the tough love. It's time to ditch that thinking. It's time to reach out to the people who love you and who you love and let them in so that you can have the support and love that you need. All right, last one, number five. Have you ever heard of grounding? So it used to be popular and it's sort of making a comeback. And I'll be honest with you, it sounds a little woo-woo. But the idea is that we need to connect with the earth, that the electrical charges from the earth can help us feel more aligned, energetic, and connected to the earth and world around us. Again, I'll be honest with you, this is an under-researched thing. But at the same time, if you have a safe place where you can walk barefoot, touch the earth with your hands, you're getting outside and getting sunlight, getting fresh air, and yes, connecting and feeling at one with the beautiful earth that we live on, I am all for it. And personally, it's something that I have really been enjoying this summer, and I think it's worth giving it a shot. It's easy to feel bogged down, but by doing all of these things, you might start to feel like you have more control than you thought. The quicker that we can recognize how much power we have, the quicker that we can start to heal from the excess stress and heal our hormones. If you aren't sure where to start, let me know. You can always reach out to me on Instagram at erinlindorfer.rdn and we can chat about what might be helpful. You don't have to live in a stress bubble, so let's get you out of it. As always, I am wishing for you happy hormones and a healthful week. If you are loving this podcast, if you are loving Hormone Bestie, I would be honored if you would let me know. Either send me a DM on IG or share your favorite episode onto your stories and make sure to tag me so that I can celebrate your hormone health journey with you. Sending all the love, positive thoughts, and de-stressing vibes.